Good morning, Life Church Livonia, and welcome. Happy New Year. Welcome to the first weekend of 2024. If we have not yet met, my name is Alex, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Life Church Livonia, and this is a really special week. We are starting our series called With All My Mind. This is a series on mental health. Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. But the question is, how do we love God with all of our mind when we're struggling with mental health issues? Things like anxiety, depression, ADHD, these have skyrocketed since COVID. For many of us, we were struggling before and COVID accentuated it. And for others, COVID created an issue. Many of us over lockdown felt lonelier than we've ever felt, more anxious than we've ever felt, and these issues seem to have just continued. And this leads us to the question as Christians, how do we love God when we're struggling with our mental health? How do we meet God in our mental health struggles? How do we love him with all of our minds in the midst of real life struggles with mental health? Throughout this series, we're going to be talking <clears throat> about meeting God on anxiety in depression, in ADHD, and talking about what it looks like to cope well as a Christian. I want to preface the series by saying these topics are massive, and we simply don't have enough time to fully tackle all of their complexities in a 35-minute sermon. However, we do hope to connect each of these struggles to God's Word, to connect to each other, and to connect you to some resources. For every week, there's going to be things we simply couldn't include because of time. And so we've linked those resources in the digital bulletin. And every week, I would encourage you to please check out the digital bulletin for those resources. Now, I am not a mental health professional. I'm a pastor. But at our church, there are many mental health professionals. And I've asked several of them to help me as we teach this series. And so I'm joined today by my wife, Amber. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my love, I'm so grateful you're joining us today. Uh, and we are kicking off this mental health series by talking about anxiety. So as we start today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your connection to anxiety? Well, it is so hard to be uh, up here talking, talking to you all, um, and not feel anxious about talking <laughs> about anxiety. <laughs> So I'm going to do my best to have my grounding skills, to <laughs> rest, relax, because <laughs> um, I've struggled with anxiety for a very long time, as long as I can remember. You know, My home life was pretty chaotic growing up, and it taught me that the world isn't safe. And it really created this sense of constant nervousness, feeling like I'm uh, on guard. And throughout my life, I would get migraines and stomach aches frequently, and it really impacted my schoolwork. I couldn't sleep well. I would toss and turn, worried about conversations in the day, or anxious about what was to come up in the next day, and I'd really have difficulty concentrating. You know, I couldn't get my mind to stop racing. I would get stuck in kind of this, like, overthinking loop, right, trying to solve all my problems with myself or other people. And sometimes something bad would happen and I would just spiral and it would take a lot for me to come back out of it. And it would kind of be like the snowball that was just barreling down the hill. 
you know, my thoughts would be something like, I can't believe I said that. You know, what do they think of me now? Why can't I just get over this? There are kids starving in Africa and here I am worried about my problems. <laughs> and then I'd have the, these bad feelings about my anxiety. I'd feel bad about it. I'd feel angry at myself. I'd feel stuck. You get the picture. So I was worried about being a bad Christian all the time. Christians were supposed to be happy all the time, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And I felt like I was saying that with just this flat face, like, you know, because we aren't supposed to have difficult emotions, right, as Christians. Lies. <laughs> I didn't realize all of this, like, that I'm describing was called anxiety until I was sitting in a counseling class in college and the teacher was actually describing anxiety symptoms. And I was like, wait a second. I feel that. I feel that right now. <laughs> and I, I did. Like, I felt awful. And I was stuck. I was fearful. I was upset. I was scared all the time. And I didn't want to continue feeling that way. And if you're feeling that way, know that you are not alone. You know, I was upset that I was upset and it was really starting to affect my relationships with people. And that was super hard for me. And that was kind of the beginning of my journey of healing, you know, and I ended up getting a counselor and talking to our college chaplain at Spring Arbor University for a little bit. And I remember the day I made the decision to change my thinking, to literally tell myself, I have to take every thought captive and submit it to Christ. I literally had to see my thoughts as an object, and I literally had to grab a hold of it and lay it at his feet. And since then, God has led me on a radical healing journey, using things like running with Team World Vision, being a part of some powerful small groups, emotionally healthy spirituality was super impactful, and receiving some professional counseling. And so through these experiences, I discerned that God wanted me to actually help others through similar experiences, and I became a counselor, and I attended Moody Theological Seminary and graduated with my master's in counseling psychology. Whew, it was a lot of work. <laughs> so I currently work as a counselor at La Casa and Howell, working with survivors of domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse, and I lead a small group on anxiety at our church. Well, thank you so much for sharing uh, about your journey and your story, and I just feel so privileged that I've gotten to watch you grow so much over the last, gosh, almost 14 years. It's been wonderful, and I'm super proud of all the work you've put in. Thanks. Um, as a counselor and as a pastor, um, I hear the word anxious a lot, and I hear people say, like, oh, I'm just feeling anxious, or I have anxiety, And but as a counselor, I'm wondering... When you hear someone say, I'm anxious or anxiety, or you use those terms, what do you mean and what do you not mean? So the emotion anxiety is a normal part of life. You know, many people worry about things such as health, finances, family problems, but anxiety disorders involve much more than this temporary worry and fear. When we use the term anxiety in a clinical setting, we don't just mean those emotions of those kind of uh, everyday experiences. We mean that someone has excessive worry or fear about a specific thing or a range of things, and that worry is accompanied by physical and psychological symptoms that can actually cripple our overall quality of life. So for people with an anxiety disorder, 
the anxiety does not go away. And it actually just gets worse over time. And the symptoms can interfere with daily activities such as job performance, schoolwork, and other relationships. And so anxiety disorders actually can range in severity from mild to moderate to severe to panic. And so those who are really severe might need some hospitalization, while those with mild and moderate anxiety might be able to manage it through some talk therapy and our medication. And there are several different kinds of anxiety disorders, but I'm going to only describe a few today. So generalized anxiety disorder is kind of that persistent and excessive worry about daily activities or events. Panic disorder is kind of this fear of continued panic attacks or having panic attacks. Social anxiety disorder is that fear about social situations, you know, feeling humiliated, feeling embarrassed, feeling rejected, you know, feeling scared about feeling that. I have felt that one. (laughs) Specific phobias are intense fears about objects or situations, and those who usually have it know it's kind of irrational and blown out of proportion. And that leads to this avoidance and significant distress in daily life. So some common symptoms of anxiety would look like trouble concentrating, trouble making decisions, feeling irritable, tense, restless, having nausea or stomach problems, heart palpitations, trouble uh, with sweating, trembling, shaking, trouble with sleeping, and having this feeling of something bad's about to happen, right? This impending danger. And so anxiety disorders are the world's most common mental health disorders. And the World Health Organization said in 2019, it affected over 301 million people in the world. That's 4% of the world's population. And according to the National Institute of Mental Health in America alone, it's estimated that 31.1% will experience an anxiety disorder at some point in their lives. That's huge. And the majority of those people are women. So I'm one, right? Out of those affected, only one in four people actually get treated for it. So this is serious. You know, even if you might not have an anxiety disorder, you probably know someone who does. And so in order to love those around us well, it's important that we learn about this. I totally agree, and thank you so much for all that really helpful information. You know, like I said, as a pastor, I hear people say, oh, I just was feeling anxious yesterday, or I'm anxious about this, but it's so helpful to hear from a clinical perspective what that really means. And I agree wholeheartedly, whether we personally struggle with anxiety or not, it's really important to understand not just what it is, but also how to meet God in it. And that's really what we're going to talk about today because mental health struggles are human struggles. It's not just us as individuals who struggle with them, and it's not just us in our period in time that struggle with them. Even biblical characters struggled with their mental health. And so the question is, how do I meet God in anxiety today? We could have chosen several biblical stories to talk about this. We talked about potentially King Saul or Gideon. But we landed on a common story in many resources that we think will be particularly helpful. And it's the story of Mary and Martha. Now, I just kind of want to give a caveat on the whole series. Because a mental health diagnosis comes from someone self-disclosing their own inner world, not just looking at their behavior, it would be inappropriate to uh, 
really firmly diagnose a biblical character with a mental health disorder because we don't get access to most of their inner worlds. There's exceptions like Jeremiah self-disclosing his depression, but most of the time we don't really know what's going on in a biblical character's inner world. We just see their behavior. And that's the case for Mary and Martha today. So I just want to say, even though we can't firmly diagnose these biblical characters, we can view their behavior and notice symptoms uh, from mental health issues that we have today. And we can make some inferences about inner, their inner world from that. And so that's what we're going to do today as we read this scripture. And this is out of Luke 10. There's, uh, I think, an amazing interaction that happens between Martha and Jesus that's going to be really instructive for us today. It says this, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. Now, the text doesn't tell us about Martha's psychological state while she was preparing for Jesus's dinner. But some symptoms that we see right away is that Martha is distracted by all the things that have to be done. And that's not inherently indicative of anxiety. But the Greek word here used for distracted is this word paraspaao. And it means to be drawn away. And the question is drawn away from what? And the answer is drawn away from the present. Drawn away from the, what's in front of you. Drawn away into the past. Drawn away into the future. Which is why Martha struggles to meet Jesus. Like so many of us, she's invited Jesus into her home, yet she is unable to be with him because of all of the things that are drawing her away into the past or into the future. But she can only meet God in the present, just like us. So Martha's distracted. She's drawn away from the present. And one of the questions I had when reading this was, okay, so let's pretend that she gets Mary's help. When dinner's over, do we as the reader think she's done being distracted and worried by things? Or is now there something new to be distracted and worried about? It seems to me in my reading of this scripture that the purpose of this dinner scene is not to illustrate an exception to the rule of Martha's life. It seems to try to illustrate Martha's normal way of being. And it seems that these Dinner preparations, that her franticness isn't just how she acts when people are over for dinner, but how she kind of acts in the whole of her life. Some symptoms of anxiety are trouble being present and having irritability, and we see both of those present in Martha. How many of us are mentally distracted most of the time from the things or people that are in front of us because we are worried about all the things we have to do or all the things we think others might be thinking about us? Furthermore, one of the reasons we would think that Martha probably is struggling with anxiety is Jesus says to her, you are worried and upset about many things. And that phrase, you are worried, it's actually one Greek word, and it's this Greek word, merumnao. And the word literally means to be anxious. So Jesus is saying, girl, you're anxious right now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you're anxious and upset about a whole lot, but only one thing matters in this moment. 
And one of the cool things about this is meramnao is a verb, not a noun, which means anxiety is a verb, not a noun. It's something we do. It's not something we are. We have anxiety. We are not anxious as a person. It's a choice. It's not an identity, which means that we can choose differently. And we see Mary doing exactly that, which is why Jesus says, Mary has chosen, note the word chosen there. Mary has chosen what is better, and that will not be taken from her. So those are some of the things as a pastor I see in this text. But Amber, I'm curious, as a clinician, what are some of the things that you see when you read this passage? Uh, Martha seems stressed out, like she's trying to problem solve. She's trying to get rid of that anxiety by being in this doing mode. You know, she's worried about the food. She's worried about the house not being cleaned. And she's really living in the past, like thinking about things that haven't gotten done or about the future, things that need to be done. And she's unable to be present with Jesus. And so Martha is kind of living in this avoidance. And avoidance is anything I do to try not to think, feel, or deal with my symptoms. Anxiety and avoidance actually kind of go hand in hand. So when I see Martha worried, I ask myself, what is she trying to avoid? You know, maybe she's trying to avoid dinner, taking too long. You know, maybe she's trying to avoid being a bad host. Maybe she's trying to avoid making a bad impression. Whatever it is, all of these thoughts are rooted in the fact that Martha just does not want to disappoint Jesus. And Martha is just trying to avoid her anxious feelings by trying to get Mary to help her. So Amber, if Martha were to walk into your office, what are some of the ways that you would try to help her deal with her anxiety if she's trying to love Jesus but seems to be unable to meet him even in her own home? What are some of the things that you might lead her through? So there's a lot of things I could tell her um, about anxiety. Uh, there, there are so many different ways we can deal with our anxiety as followers of Jesus. And reading God's word and prayer being two of the hugest ways. Um, God also offers us a lot through the church, through psychology, through brain research. You know, and I could talk your ear off for a very long time about all the different strategies there are out there. But for our purposes today, I want to give you three general steps that regardless of where you are at in your journey could help maybe take you one step closer to healing. And the first step I want to talk with you about today is challenging thinking traps. So these are also called cognitive distortions. There is actually a connection between what we think, how we feel, and what we do about that. So our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors are all connected. And when we change what we think, we can change how we feel, and then we can change what we do about that. So I love this concept of calling it a thinking trap because it's kind of what it looks like. You know, I'm walking along, I have this experience, and now, whoop, trap door, right? And I'm in this thinking trap that I just keep falling back into, and some of the common anxiety thinking traps out there are all or nothing thinking, which is kind of this like black and white thinking, thinking in extremes and doesn't leave any room for anything in the middle. Like, I can't make a mistake. What's the point of trying for that job? I'll never get it. I'm going to fail. Or jumping to conclusions. So that's assuming the worst. Mind reading, you know, saying I know what others are thinking about me and it's bad. Trying to predict the future. 
Uh, an example of this is saying like, I'm going to fail. No one wants to talk to me. You know, I'm going to say something stupid or she didn't call because she doesn't like me. I have said those before. (laughs) Um, Emotional reasoning. You know, I feel it. Therefore, it must be true. So I feel embarrassed. So I must be an idiot. I feel awkward. So other people must think I'm awkward. I feel nervous. So it means something bad is going to happen. Or I feel lonely. And that means I don't have any friends. Or overgeneralizing, seeing one negative event as a never-ending pattern. You know, nothing ever goes my way. I'm always going to mess up. I can't do anything right. Or ignoring the good. You know, saying that good things, positive things don't count. And ignoring our successes and focusing on our failures. Uh, This could be saying something like, the friends I have don't count. Or I'm a terrible employee, even though I was recognized for my work ethic last week. Uh, Or nothing went right today. Or I messed up on everything. So there are more. There's a lot more out there. And we've actually uh, linked a list to others in the digital bulletin uh, if you'd like to see those. So to begin kind of challenging these thinking traps, we have to recognize that not every thought we think is a fact. Okay, this is a huge mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. So let me give you an example. Um, this just happened to me over the last couple of weeks. I was sitting at my desk and I was working on my documentation and I overheard my boss's boss. Okay, I know. Boss's boss talking to my boss and talking about a situation. I couldn't really make out what was going on. And she said my name, but in an angry tone. So that was my situation, right? Okay, so my thoughts were, I'm in trouble. What did I do? And I already was imagining getting fired. So there you go. (laughs) Situation, thought. Okay? And then uh, that was my thinking trap, right? The mind reading. Boop, fell right in. And then the emotions that I felt were anxiety, sadness, anger, fear. Um, And you can see the connection, right? And then, so in the past, right, I might have reacted a little poorly. So that's my behavior. Um, And I might have gone to other people about it, calling Alex in a panic or thinking about it all day. And he would just tell me, like, let it go, please, please. Okay, so so instead, I actually checked the facts and I asked my boss, hey, what happened with this? And the reality was my boss's boss was actually trying to defend me. And it blew my mind, okay? So we can challenge our thinking traps. So to challenge our thinking traps, we have to get the facts, then change our thinking. So maybe we can have a clarifying conversation. Hey, when you said this, what did you mean? What actually occurred? You know, what else was going on there? And then I can change my thinking to what's actually true. And then I could... might possibly let it go, you know? Um, I don't have to listen to every thought that passes through my head. Mm -hmm. I can stop the struggle with those difficult thoughts and I can acknowledge it and let it pass by. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest ways we can challenge our thinking traps is by reading scripture. Mm -hmm. Because scripture, it's actually a mirror that shows us who we really are. And God literally gave us the truth, right? Big T truth in his word for us to look at every day and be reminded of what's true. 
In my life, God's word has really led me out of a lot of thinking traps and helped me have avoid a lot of difficult conversations. <laughs> As Romans 12, 1 and 2, it literally renewed my mind. It renews my mind every day. So that's one step we can take. Another step we can take in our healing journey is by practicing living in the present moment. Anxiety affects our ability to pay attention, doesn't it? Right? We can't concentrate. It causes us to be less present in our relationships with others, our home life, our work life, and especially in our relationship with God. And one of the biggest strategies is thinking about what we're thinking about and noticing where our attention is focused right now in the present moment. And so I just want you to take a moment right now and ask these questions. Where is your attention? Is it focused on the past? Is it focused on the future? Is it focused on what people think? Is it focused on your fear? Right? Are you being present, really present to those right around you right now? So we need to stop, slow down, and pay attention to what really matters. Right? Your kids playing, the taste of your coffee, the sound of the birds, your husband's laughter. Right? These are all the things that matter. And anxiety is just one part of your whole life. Woo, I'm getting emotional about this. <laughs> um, there is an acronym that has helped us practice this, and this kind of comes back from the or comes from the Road Back to You by Ian Cron and Susan Stabile called SNAP. Okay. And it helped me a lot early on. It stands for stop, notice, ask, and pivot. So the S stop, right? Choosing to intentionally be still. So maybe you can set a timer, you know, maybe you can ask yourself, what do you see, taste, touch, smell, what's around you, right? Grounding yourself in the present moment. Maybe you can do some deep, slow breaths because you're really savoring like what life is, what, what life looks like right around you. And then you end notice, right? Notice your inner world. You know, are you feeling any tension in your body? Are you feeling any emotional distress or there any difficult emotions coming to the surface and you're doing all that within the lens of non-judgment non-criticism and then you a ask you know what am i thinking right now what am i actually thinking and how does this make me feel is it true you know what would i be if i let go of this belief you know maybe i need to bring it to god or maybe i need to bring god in and ask you know what is he doing right now what is he speaking to me right now and then fourth P, pivot. So choosing to walk in the truth. You know, you can memorize a scripture to call to mind or repeat a truth to yourself to change your thinking. Uh, living in the present moment, you know, enjoying your kids play, hearing the birds sing, listening to music, right? Tasting your coffee, really seeing and savoring the world around you. So there are many ways that we can work with our anxiety as followers of Christ. And if you need help, or have someone in your life that does, I can't encourage you enough to reach out for help, okay? Get help from a counselor, talk to someone on staff here at Life Church Livonia, or reach out to any of the guests in our series. We'll connect you with someone who can come alongside you. And you aren't alone in this journey. There is hope. There is help available for you, and God can truly transform you by renewing your mind. Thanks so much for sharing um, <clears throat> those next steps, Amber. 
One of the things I love about the passage we talked about is uh, Mary's posture. Because she's actually demonstrating so many of the things you just mentioned. She's grounded in the present with Jesus. She's resting at his feet. She's not striving to fix or control. She's open to receive what God wants to say to her and give her. She's not preoccupied with all the things that need to be done. And we just heard some great information. But I really don't want us to just leave here with information. We want to leave with transformation. And so I've asked Amber to lead us in a Christian meditation prayer to help us practice some of the things we just learned and like Mary to ground ourselves at the feet of Jesus. So would you lead us in that now, Amber? Yeah, so we're going to practice an exercise uh, that comes from the book Holy Noticing. And this practice is called Label and Release Your Afflictive Emotions. And this is a Christian mindfulness exercise. So we're going to do some deep breathing and reflect on scripture. So I just want you to get comfy in your seat, you know, close your eyes if you feel comfortable and really just try to let all that stress fall away from you. We're just going to start with some slow, deep breaths. And you can say something like, Holy Spirit, breathe on me. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So reflect on each of those qualities. Picture someone in your mind that you know, or yourself, demonstrating those qualities. Love, joy, peace. Remember, we're in no rush here. Take your time. And when your mind wanders, which it will, thank God for helping you recognize it. Don't beat yourself up when your mind wanders. Simply come back to your breath. And say this, Lord, I pause right now to be present with you and my emotions, both pleasant and afflictive ones. I want to relate to any difficult emotions in a way that honors you and helps me release them to you. I don't want to push them away, but to acknowledge their existence, even as I know your spirit is with me right now. Lord, reveal to me any afflictive emotions right now and name them. I'm having feelings of fear. I'm having feelings of anger. I'm having feelings of sadness. When we label our difficult emotions, their power over us decreases. So simply name and describe them without adding commentary or judgment. 
Remind yourself that these emotions don't define you. You are simply observing them pass by. Say this, Lord, I'm noticing the emotion of anger, sadness, fear right now. I acknowledge it without pushing it away. My emotion does not pose a threat to me. I am safe in your care. If you sense sin behind the emotion, confess it. But remember that a feeling does not automatically imply sin. Say, Lord, I release my anger, sadness, fear to you. I let go of it. May your spirit now grow in me greater love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control so that I don't try to suppress my emotions or let them control me. Thank you, Lord, for helping me. You guys can open your eyes and come back when you're ready. Thank you so much for leading us through that practice, Amber. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What this means is that as we surrender our hearts, our bodies, our souls, our lives, even our minds to Jesus, when we receive his forgiveness for our sins because of his death on the cross, God sends his Holy Spirit to us, and his Spirit has the power to transform us by renewing our mind. God has the power to break us out of the patterns of this world into a new kind of life that Jesus calls life and life in all its fullness. But this life to the full comes because our sins are forgiven by God and we've chosen to live in God's way of doing things, not our own. I just wonder this morning, how would you describe your relationship with Jesus right now? Is it flourishing and sweet? Are you able to come to him in honesty and vulnerability? And as C.S. Lewis says, what, with what is really in you, not what you feel ought to be in you. Or is your relationship with Jesus in need of some attention and repair? Perhaps you're here today and you've tuned into this stream and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. The fact that you're here this morning is not an accident, but is a divine appointment from the God of the universe. God wants to transform you, not just your mind, but your whole life. Through his love, through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you know in your heart of hearts that your relationship with God is not where it should be, or you feel God for the first time drawing you to himself in sweetness and love, in forgiveness and tenderness, I just want to invite you to pray with me right now.
Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, for living my own way. And Lord, forgive me for my sins. God, I cannot do this life alone. Life is too heavy for me to carry by myself. And Lord, I need you. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. Lord, I receive your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would transform me by renewing my mind. Show me what my next steps are, Jesus. I give myself to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed with me, I really want you to reach out to us. I want you to reach out to us via the uh, digital connection card and the digital bulletin. We want to walk alongside you. And if at some point in this sermon there was something that struck you, that stuck out to you, I cannot encourage you enough to head to the digital bulletin and look at all the resources we've linked there. And if you want more help, more information, you're realizing, gosh, I'm really struggling with this and I, I need to figure out uh, how to grow and be transformed, please again reach out to us. We want to help you on your journey and want to connect you to the right resources. Join us next week as we continue this series, and I'm joined by Rick Gutterson, a mental health professional in our church, and he and I are going to talk about depression. See you next week.